Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome into the Fog.net podcast, Scott Chasen, joined by an old friend, Michael Swain, formerly of Fog.net, now covering Iowa State on the 24-7 Sports Network. Mike, how's it going? I'm doing great, Scott. Thank you for having me on. It's a, uh, a trip down memory lane for us. It definitely is, and hey, some big news, and so I figured it was a good time to bring you back on. Uh, Lance Leipold, obviously, hired as the coach of KU on Friday, introduced on Monday at a press conference, and I went back... Uh, for pure, curios- uh, pure curiosity and watch the David Beatty introductory press conference um, just yesterday or two days ago. And, you know, I, I found such a contrast just between this this press conference, and I, I want to get your thoughts, obviously, too. This didn't feel like the same kind of introductory press conferences can- Kansas has had uh, with their past few coaches, just from the perspective of um, it almost felt like, and I wrote about this, that there were kind of gimmicks uh, with some of the previous coaches that were introduced. Um, it was the Les Miles spectacle, um, the championship ring, the, you know, does he still have it? Why is he doing this kind of kind of deal the last time around with David Beatty? Um, it was very emotional. David Beatty was almost trying to, to kind of prove that he was the person for the job and throwing out a lot of buzzwords and philosophies and stuff like that that and I don't think necessarily rang hollow, but... Um, it, it felt like a job interview um, rather than an introductory press conference. Lance Leipold's presser to me felt like an experienced football coach just kind of having a conversation about football philosophy and um, you know what, what's made him successful, what he believes about the game. It felt like a conversation about football as compared to the spectacle of a coach hiring. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's so interesting when you kind of compare them as well. I felt like Leipold in general was on the spectrum, a little boring, just in terms of, you know, kind of sticking to not necessarily talking points, but to his philosophies and the importance of continuity and kind of his goals with, you know, I think the, there was a good line that he said he wants to win with the current players and not have all of a sudden this roster attrition that you have to kind of flip a roster in the span of an off season. So I thought that was interesting. And I thought, I think maybe the biggest comment for me that I thought was a big positive was I think him talking about the continuity of staff, just because I think you and I have seen it. And I mean, Kansas fans have seen it, you know, the amount of assistant coaches, coordinators that have come through the program over the last, you know, five, six years under Beatty and even under Les Miles, that doesn't lend itself to long-term growth and continuity if you're consistently having to replace those guys. So I, I thought that overall it was a, 
not one of those where you leave the press conference, like I'm going to run through a brick wall for this new <laughs> coach or anything like that. But I think you listen to it and you're like, yeah, that is a veteran head coach that knows what he's doing. And I think also understands what he's getting into. I think I thought it was really interesting his comment about kind of the history of Kansas football and the fact that, you know, not really going to dwell on the, on the past of it, but more focus on maybe some of the things that have helped other past coaches that have had success, you know, try and replicate that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that irks me most about press conferences is when it's so clear that uh, someone is lying or exaggerating or playing a part Mm. and he didn't do like there were, there were no instances where I felt, you know, Lance Leipold is being disingenuous or he's just talking something up where there's actually no chance. Um, You know, to your point about continuity and I I asked him about this, I'd never heard, uh, you know, continuity is important and coaches talk about that, but I'd never heard, a coach spends so much time talking about assistant continuity. And it, it makes sense when you think about it. You know, Les Miles had four offensive coordinators in two years, which is, I mean, insane to think about. He had, what, a few different, at least a couple different running backs coaches, uh, a couple different tight ends coaches. I'm trying to think through the roster right now, a couple different safeties coaches, uh, three different offensive line coaches counting an interim I mean, there there was a ton of staff turnover for just being a couple years, and I, I'm not sure year over year how much David Beatty had, but there were still positions going in and out, especially that offensive coordinator spot. Um, it sounds like, at least according to reports, Lance Leipold's bring in a few names with him, maybe more than a few names, that have been with him for a long while and have been with him even at stops before Buffalo. And then, you know, maybe the other part of the staff will be made up of returning Kansas assistants who want to stick it out for the long haul. I think that's a good sign because I think for Lance Leipold, um, he needs to be surrounded by people that he trusts. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it would necessarily be the smartest thing for him to go out and get you know, assemble a a ragtag group of assistants and coaches he's never worked with. I mean, there are so many variables that are changing just because he's making the jump from Buffalo to Kansas. Um, You know, Kansas, both programs needed a rebuild when he uh, arrived or the continuation of a rebuild. But that being said, like, there are challenges there. He he needs to be, I guess you need to control as many variables as possible and bringing in people that he knows how to work with, that he trusts, that he understands, that he expects will be around for a long while. Uh, I think that's only to his benefit. Um, and, and yeah, just like you, it, it surprised me that he brought up continuity so many, so much just because mm-hmm. um, it's boring. Like you said, no <laughs> one cares, you know, like no one cares from the perspective of like, that's exciting, but yeah, I mean, it seemed like a lot of his philosophy were, or a lot of his conversation kind of centered on philosophy and, um, you know, hey, what what is going to make me a successful football coach rather than how do I convince people that I'm going to be a success? Yeah, well, and I think the thing too is in terms of, you know, like the whole phrase of like winning the press conference, for example, like fans don't really care who the safeties coach is. Mm-hmm. I know you remember that from being more of like a casual fan, like growing up, you, you're like, okay, who's the head coach? Who are the coordinators? You know? And so you may not from a casual fans perspective, really care about the assistant coaches and the continuity there. But I think that's really important. I mean, you look at what happened with the Les Miles staff where it was very much kind of picking up pieces from across the country, you know, like Mike Eckler, for example, you know, the linebackers coach that, you know, was there for one season. It's like a lot of these guys didn't have necessarily ties to Kansas, ties to the Midwest. Their ties were to less miles, right? And it feels like now you've got the opportunity for Lance Leipold to get a good blend of that, where you can maybe, if you retain, for example, you know, someone like Emmett Jones and Joshua Ergel, 
all of a sudden you've got a couple guys that kind of understand where the program's at right now, but also have, you know, kind of recruiting ties that are currently active, but then you can also bring in some of the fresh faces to then kind of help reestablish what Lance Leipold wants to do. And I, I think something that I had mentioned to you kind of over text was it, it reminded me a little bit of what, you know, we saw maybe with Matt Campbell at Iowa state, um, not saying that it's going to go the same way, but just in terms of the staff continuity coming in, you know, Campbell brought John Haycock, the defensive coordinator, Tyson Vite, his assistant head coach, linebackers coach, Tom Manning, who went on to be the offensive coordinator, Eli Rashid, the defensive line coach, and his director of football operations, Greg Brabenek. And then, of course, you've got more assistants that came with him. But I think that it's important to, if you're going to try and set a floor, to have some of that continuity with the head coach so that the assistants know what the head coach wants. But then you also have a blend of kind of the people that are already familiar with Kansas. So it doesn't feel like you're really trying to jam a square peg into a round hole early on. Yeah. Uh, Another really interesting thing that I I thought he brought up at his press conference was his pitch to players um, Mm -hmm. to get them Mm -hmm. to kind of stick around. And one of the things he said is, you know, he asked them, what's your goal? It's to play in the NFL, right? Well, you get to pick your coach in the NFL. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought I thought that was a very like professional in terms of it seems like the way he's going to deal with players um, and, and including the way, you know, he had a, a zoom call with Kansas's 2021 signees, his first day on the job. And that was straight into the point. I mean, I, I talked to a number of, of members of the class who told me it was direct, didn't go on a very long. It wasn't a rah, rah, you know, rallying cry, all this. It was, here's what I'm going to expect from you guys. I want you guys to get to know me and let's move on and let's do our jobs. And, you know, another thing he said is that the players, what they're going to realize that Lance Leipold and his staff want them to reach their goals. They're going to understand that the goals are aligned, that they're going to work with them, that they've had success. And that's it. Like, it, it really sounded like, you know, there there will be players he wants to, he really wants to stick around and he'll work with individually, especially those who maybe don't feel as comfortable. He wants to meet with every player individually. But he's kind of taken this, like, Hey, you know, this is a job. You're trying to get to the NFL. We want to help you get to the NFL. Let's be professional about this. Um, you know, you didn't get to pick us, but this is the situation now. And, you know, we're going to move forward. I thought that was interesting. It was a little different, but again, it fits who Lance Leipold is. Like he's, he's a ball coach. He's a, a guy who's been around. He's, um, you know, obviously had the success at Buffalo four straight seasons of bowl eligibility compared to a guy like Turner Gill who had one. Um, I believe no Buffalo coach had ever had multiple seasons with a winning record at the FBS level um, or since 1999 when they returned to the FBS level. Again, he had four straight six win seasons. So mm-hmm. um, he's shown he can do it. He's shown he could build a program and, you know, set their record for wins in a season with 10. He's won a bunch of national championships at Wisconsin Whitewater. So he's had success. He's had success at different levels in different ways. And yeah, I think he just kind of takes that professional approach and says, you know, let's be adults about this. And, you know, it was kind of refreshing, to be honest. Yeah, well, and the last part you mentioned there, I think, is maybe the most important. It's He's treating them all like professionals and treating them all like adults. You know, I think if you think back to the early stages of the Les Miles tenure, it felt like maybe a coach trying to woo his players into staying by, you know, flashing the national championship ring. Mm -hmm. You know, you have like the TV cameras around 24 seven, like they did for that first year. And then you maybe, you know, 
contrast that to what Leipold's done. It seems like he's treating everyone like adults. You know, the, the line about you don't get to pick your coach in the NFL really stuck out to me, I think, during the introductory press conference. But I, I think that that's probably a big thing, too, because then what that not only does, I think it shows the players that he means business, but also that he's going to treat them with respect and not treat them like, you know, a, a bunch of kids or anything like that. So I think that's positive. And I think the transfer aspect is fascinating, too, because I don't recall if how popular the transfer portal was or if it was even a thing when Les Miles took over. Um, it'd be really interesting to see how the kind of the continuity of the team goes kind of exiting spring practice. Cause I mean, it's not a normal now to see guys enter the transfer portal either after the season or either after spring ball ends. So it'd be kind of interesting to see maybe how Leipold goes about maintaining the current roster and some of the talent that's on the roster. I think cause it's been well documented. I think the scholarship situation that I or that Kansas was in, you know, at start of Les Miles tenure and you look at it now and it's probably in a better spot in terms of mm-hmm. the overall high school talent, the ability to bring in, you know, guys that have high ceilings in terms of just kind of what they saw on the recruiting scene. So I'm really interested to see kind of how he's able to maintain the roster. Cause the last thing you need is all of a sudden a roster exodus happening. And then you're really looking at starting from square one again. Yeah. I, th- I think you're dead on, you know, they're about a, a recruiting class away, certainly within two from being at a full 85 um, probably just one, but depending on the the transfer situation. And, you know, I, again, I, I think you nailed it there too with the championship ring. You know, I'm sure Lance Leipold has some rings that, that he yeah. could bring out and wear and right. put on, but that's, it, it's not even that he didn't do it. It's that that's not Lance Leipold. And, and that's not me slamming Les Miles because I, I really think that Les Miles, his place in Kansas history will be, you know, passing the baton from coach to coach. But it will it will really be setting the foundation. It's almost mm-hmm. like you're building a, a house or something. And Les Miles is the guy who gathered all the materials. And look, when you started, there wasn't a house. When you gathered all the materials, there still wasn't a house. Looks the same to me. There's no house there. But now you have those pieces in place to start building with. And then you know Lance Leipold is in this metaphor or whatever is the the I guess the company that puts puts it all together. And he'll have to bring in his own players and guys and whatnot. But you know, Les Miles really did stabilize the program, mm-hmm. I would say, bringing sure. bringing in 45 high school names or whatever it ended up being after some departures um, in the two classes. And yeah, you know, Lance Leipold is not that same type of guy. The, the camera thing is a great example. I would bet a very good amount of money there will be no um, Leipold to go doesn't really work. <laughs> I couldn't think of a, a clever name there. <laughs> I, I bet a good sum of money there won't be anything like that. I mean, that's just not who he is. And honestly, even the, you know, I've been following Kansas football social media, how they've kind of done this and they'll tweet out a quote and it's like, you know, with some cool text and graphic and video and exciting music. And it's like, yeah, this it's funny because it's just not his personality. He's, he's a winner. He's someone the players really like. You know, I talked to a former player of his at Buffalo um, who – told me and I'm, I'm gonna write about this that you know they played a seven overtime game that they lost and he said during the fourth overtime or maybe it was the third overtime Leipold sat everyone down and was just like I know you're tired I know you're cramping up whatever it doesn't matter how long we're here you know if we're, we're we might be here all night we're going to win this game and they, he said they didn't even end up winning but that was a moment that enca- encapsulated Lance Leipold just from the perspective of he wasn't always this rah-rah guy. He was more of a calming, you know, here's the job, let's do it kind of guy. And that's how he almost motivated and inspired players. And, 
Um, maybe at first it's a bit of a change because it's, you know, a different style of leadership, certainly different than a, than a David Beatty or even a Les Miles. But I think over time, once you, you know, put in a new culture and and start to build off it, that kind of stuff really does resonate, especially when the players believe their coach and know how serious the coach is. I I think that that gives you a good chance to, to kind of implement a culture and, and probably do it pretty quickly where, Everyone coming in knows what the job is and, and is going to work to accomplish that job. Yeah. And, well, and the thing too is, right, like players aren't dumb. Like they can tell when someone is kind of, you know, BSing them or, mm-hmm. or selling them a false sense of goods or anything like that. Like having the ability to ha- be straightforward with guys, but also maybe have the ability also to build that relationship off the field to where like when you get on the field, everyone knows it's business, but also the fact that, you know, everyone cares about each other and there's the right kind of set culture there to where it's all for the good of the team instead of, you know, not to say things were individualistic with the previous regimes, but more so like the collective like team, like we are going to do this, we are going to win or we're going to accomplish X, Y, and Z. And it, it does get tabbed as coach speak, but I thought his line about kind of well, we're going to win here, but we're going to win one day at a time. I thought that was a, a telling line as well, just in terms of taking it day by day, kind of the growth mindset. Um, I think that's important, especially when you're kind of dealing with a younger team like Kansas currently has, where you really don't have a ton of the veteran leadership maybe to lean on, you know, the guys that have been here for four years that have established a specific culture. Right now, you've got a much more of a, a younger roster that needs maybe a figure to help set that culture instead of maybe relying on players to do it or specific assistant coaches to do it. And so I think Leipold's the right guy for that. And it goes back to, I think the staff too, you know, having, it looks like, you know, reportedly maybe the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator from Buffalo will follow. Um, I think having that alignment in terms of the leadership structure of the program is really big, you know, because again, uh, having the same voices day in and day out, building that relationship with the players, I think not only builds confidence between the coaching staff and the players, but I think between the players themselves to know that the coaches are there for you and then kind of the onus is on them then to establish that culture and make sure it's maintained. Yeah, and you know, right now, just based off the reports of who would be remaining versus who would be new, and again, these are just reports at this point. We don't know anything official. It sounds like some of the assistants with the chance at least to stick around would be Emmett Jones, who's been there since the beginning of the Les Miles tenure, Chevis Jackson, beginning of the Les Miles tenure, Quan Drake, beginning of the Les Miles tenure. Uh, I can't remember when Joshua Ergel originally came in. He was an analyst first. Um, sounds like at least according to, to one report that may, I believe football scoop reported, he may have the chance to, to stick on as an analyst. And, um, you know, those are the guys from the beginning, at least of the, the less miles era. There are a couple other names, but those specifically are the guys from the beginning of that era that reportedly might have the chance to stick around. And again, that's, you know, Lance Leipold talked about what he's going to do, building a staff and building a roster and all that. It's not going to be for one year it's going to be for, for the long haul. So if those are guys who want to stick around another, you know, three, four, five years, then I think it makes sense to keep them. Now, when Les Miles took over, he kept two assistants, Clint Bowen and Tony Hole. Both of those guys were gone within a year. So, I, you yeah. know, maybe that's maybe that's the world of college football and that's what it'll end up being. But I did get the sense, you know, listening to Lance Leipold that he wants continuity. He's the type of guy, and, and Kansas did this a few times, uh, but that would probably want to promote an analyst or, a, you know, someone who's been in the building to positions rather than um, always looking outside name. And so I, I think it'll be really interesting to see uh, just how that staff gets built 
you know, uh, Michael, I wanted to end on this. I think the big question in Lawrence, and it's been this way for a while now, how soon can Kansas start winning games? How soon can Kansas win four games for the first time since, I want to say, 09? How soon can Kansas, uh, you know, reach bowl eligibility? And I'm of the belief as to where things stand right now that they're not necessarily close, but they're not necessarily far off. And, and you know, when Les Miles took over, it was really seen as like a five-year rebuild and I see nothing that tells me that the first two years didn't go the way that at least they were supposed to in terms of bringing in players and bringing in talent. So uh, I'm not expecting a great year by any means this year, but I think if the roster stays together, the young players, there aren't um, notable transfers, I see no reason that, you know, not in 2021, but in 2022, the program can't start competing for wins. And probably by 2023, um, at least where things stand, you know, being on that five-year timeline of starting to compete for bowl eligibility, you know, I, I think year one will be tough. I think year two will be better. And I, I think by year three, you know, you could see some serious progress in Kansas. Yeah, I think you're pretty spot on there. I think the big thing that will maybe swing how fast this can go is what does the attrition look like this offseason? Because um, I think if you're able to keep, I think about, you know, guys like Kenny Logan, for example, guys that really grew over the course of last season, if you're able to keep some of that talent on the roster, then yeah, I do believe that you're looking at maybe year three, year four, being able to compete for, you know, getting close to maybe that, that six win mark. I think some of it too will depend on who they schedule, you know, how many more home and homes are there with coastal Carolina. I know Duke, Duke is on the horizon in terms of the non-con. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. I think year one will be, I think not like what Les miles year one was just because that was such a veteran team that I think came together at the right time. But I think if you look at maybe in, in terms of the near future, I think being able to compete will be really important in year two. And then maybe if you're able to get some guys that use the extra COVID year, you know, maybe you're looking at year three kind of being that turning point. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's funny. Um, it's a very Kansas football thing to schedule Coastal Carolina, um, you know, lose the 12 to seven game the first year. You're thinking, okay, you know, go get Coast, Coastal Carolina back. And I know some people were uh, almost making fun of, uh, the program for treating it like a rivalry game going into year uh, or whatever the most recent, I guess, year two of the the back and forth. Mm-hmm. But uh, and then Coastal Carolina turns out to be a national contender and a top 25 ranked team. And all of a sudden, you know, a game that got kind of close late, even though it was a blowout in the first half, I think it it might have cut it to 12 and appeared to recover an onside kick uh, in the second half that, you know, totally would have swung the momentum of the game, something like that. Um, you know, at the same point, like, that was it turned out to actually be a pretty quality loss i guess if there is such a thing just because of you know how good coastal carolina turned out to be but yeah no i i agree and again i don't think anything is guaranteed but i mean there are a lot of core pieces on the roster between you know kenny logan karan prunty uh, marcus mm-hmm. harris and and this is just you know looking obviously at the defense and some young guys we've heard about like oj burrows jason gilliam you know th- there are players that i think are legitimate big 12 caliber guys I think a lot will hinge on the offense because as anyone who's watched this program knows, uh, developing an O-line, O-lineman, I mean, that's been a a really problem spot, a really big problem spot for this team. It does seem like Bryce Cabledew is a guy who's kind of emerged at one of the tackle spots, seems like as a redshirt freshman or uh, whatever they have him listed at, he'll have the chance to to play some, you know, serious snaps, probably start at that spot. So maybe that's one of the, the foundation pieces of an offensive line moving forward, but 
quarterback, offensive line, got to figure that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and both very important positions, but you know, beyond that, there's a ton of talent on the roster. So, uh, I do think there's the chance again, not near one, probably not near two either, but, um, I think year three, which I would really consider year five, going back to the start of the Les Miles tenure. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's real opportunity there, and it wouldn't shock me in the slightest if, you know, year two he's winning three or four games, and year three they're on the cusp of that. Again, doesn't mean it will. Your point about attrition is is a good one because they lose the wrong guys, then yes, it's it's right back to the start of a four or five year rebuild. But um, I do think this program's a little bit closer than maybe some people realize. Yeah, well, and plus the COVID year too, I think impacts things in terms of just the timetable of development for some of these guys. You think about in terms of just offensive line, you know, guys that are fourth and fifth year guys are the ones that tend to be, you know, more stable. So if all of a sudden you're able to get maybe some fifth and sixth year guys, you know, later on in kind of the Leipold tenure, it wouldn't be surprising if you saw maybe something a little closer to what you saw in year one of Les Miles' tenure, where it's like, you know, the offense is able to create and make things happen because the offensive line was halfway decent and they had some good skill position play. So yeah, and, and the attrition I think is what it's going to come down to because, I mean, you see it all the time in college football. I mean, it's a totally different scenario, but what happened to Tennessee? You know, they had like a mass exodus of guys once they kind of changed coaches. So kind of the next few months will be really fascinating to see kind of who all decides to stick around and what may be the role they have under Leipold. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up, not only because of the conversation, but also because someone has decided to mow their lawn outside my window. And I I think that (laughs) <laughs> might become a little bit of a disruption. So, hey, Michael, thank you uh, again for, for joining me on this. I do think lots of reason to be excited in Lawrence. I think this is probably the most, you know, like like we talked about, kind of professional uh, introduction, press mm-hmm. conference, start to a tenure that, that I've seen in some time. I think there's plenty of reason uh, to be hopeful about the Lance Leipold era and obviously have a lot more coverage at fog.net. So uh, make sure to, to head to 24, kansas.247sports.com, fog.net for all your KU needs and you can check out what is it, iowastate.247sports.com for the Iowa State side of things. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Cyclonealert.com. All that good stuff. For sure. Well, this has been the Vogue.net podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.